this has been part of the series that I've been preaching on at the Common, which is um, six stories of God's, what is it, hope. Hopeful stories. And this is a story of, uh, of hope, and it's around the power of Jesus, the hope that we have in the power of Jesus. Now, imagine parents, or all of us, but especially mums, that you've been told that you're going to give birth to a severely disabled child, uh, born without arms, born without legs. Imagine being told that. Imagine the storm that would hit you with that thought. The storm that the child is going to have to go through their whole life. And no running with you know the hair, the wind in your hair, and no athletics carnivals, or no cricket, or you know any none of that. The storm of just being so radically different, looking so radically different, the taunting, the bullying. Um, the frustration, imagine your little boy coming home, I've got three of them, imagine just day after day how hard that would be, just getting him in the car and all everything, the storm that would hit. And so when I read this story, I get the disciples' attitude to Jesus because it actually... This one hits our heart. Often, often the disciples, you read about them and they're made out to be stupid. They're not made out to be stupid. We just think we'd be different if we were them, but we wouldn't be. <laughs> we're just like them. That's the point of them. This is what people are like in following Jesus. Um, but I absolutely get their attitude here. It goes straight to our heart. Verse 38 um, They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? In other words, don't you love us? Don't you get it? See, these guys are professional fishermen. The Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. It's one of the lowest places on earth. And just north of it, about probably about 30 or 40 miles I think north is a mountain called Mount Hermon and it's about 900 feet and when the warm seas of the Sea of Galilee go like this and the cold air coming down from the mountain hit boom awesome storms like often it's flat apparently I've never been there but it's like glass and then within an hour it can just go boom that's what happens on the Sea of Galilee huge storms and it must have been a massive storm professional fishermen have fished this their whole life, and now they're saying, wow, we're about to die. It must have been one huge storm. Only a few hours early, earlier, uh, Jesus had pushed himself off the boat. Do you remember the story? And he's on the boat and he's teaching. He's got like an amphitheater, like this, I suppose. And he's, and he's teaching from the, the boat. And there's a massive crowd. And he teaches for a whole day. It says, on the parab- giving parables about the kingdom of God and what God's like and what Jesus is like. Um, he would have been exhausted. So he says, boys, let's get an Uber. Like he gets in the boat and let's get out and, let's have- and I'm going to rest. 
So he gets a cushion and he has a rest. And the storm blows in. And as I said, it's like the disciples are saying, if you loved us, you wouldn't let us go through this storm. If you loved us, you wouldn't give us a child without any arms or legs. If you loved us, then my marriage would be perfect. If you really loved us, I wouldn't have this terminal illness. If you loved me, this wouldn't happen. My body's failing, my moral compass is failing, my marriage is failing. Um, Why? And you're asleep, God, on a cushion. Can you relate to it? I've been there just about every day. No, I'm there often. (laughs) Really? See, we empathise so much with the disciples because often we feel like God's gone to sleep. So how how did Jesus respond to their fear? Well, he does it in two amazing ways. He wakes up from his sleep and the first is just the words themselves. In verse 39... Quiet, be still. This is just a command of complete and utter simplicity. Now, this wasn't a show by Jesus. This wasn't, this wasn't like a, a Harry Potter type thing where you roll up the sleeves and you brace yourself and you get out the wand and you give an incantation and boom. No, no, that's not what Jesus did. There's no rolling up the sleeves. There's no standing and getting bracing himself, he just says, quiet, be still. We see, we've seen, um, what are they called? Stained glass windows, haven't we? We can think, we've seen pictures of the, and he's standing, he's blonde and blue-eyed, and he's standing up like that with a purple robe. Nah. Um, I reckon he's still on the couch. Be still, quiet. And it stops. And it stops, just like a compliant child He just does it. The second amazing thing that happened is that the sea was completely calm. This verse apparently can be translated um, as dead calm. Don't often see it out here, but completely flat, like glass. You know, you you could hit a seven iron off it. It's like flat, crystal clear. Now, skeptically, we can think, he just timed it. He just got it right and he was pretty good on the weather. But we know that when there's a storm, waves go on for hours afterwards. They still go on. No, no, Jesus just hit, boom, flat. Fierce storm just stopped. You see, the sea, the sea in ancient culture uh, was greatly feared. It was a symbol of, of chaos. It couldn't be controlled of destruction. People believed that it was untamable, and the only thing that could tame it was either the God of the sea or, as the Israelites believed because of the Red Sea, God himself. So we see Jesus, what he's doing here by his actions, he's doing only what God could do, and these disciples who are good Jewish guys know what's going on. He's stopping what only God can. And what's interesting is he, is he doesn't call upon a higher authority. He doesn't say in the name of or anything like that. He just says it. You see, Jesus isn't just a good role model, although he's that. 
He's God. He's saying, I don't have power, I am power. I was before all things, I created all of this. The very sea that I'm stopping now is the one that I made. And now I'm stopping it. See, Jesus isn't just a model. He's the very model itself. So after calming the storm, did Jesus say, sorry guys, I just got a bit tired and I slept and uh, I was... was Dreaming about the kingdom of God, actually. Um, or, you know, I'm sorry about that. Can you please forgive me? Did he say that? Or did he say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. I, I know how you feel. I, I felt the same way. Uh, what I found is, if you ever want to get around something, that's how you say it. I know how you feel. felt the same way, what I found. It's a, it's a con. But anyway, he didn't say any of those things. He goes straight to it in verse 40, and he says this. Why are you so afraid? Imagine the disciples. Why are we so afraid? You're asleep. We're about to die. We're out of control, scared. We were going to go down. See, if you loved us, tell you why we're afraid, because if you loved us, you wouldn't let like this happen. Last week I was talking and a guy, after I, ask question, I get people to ask me questions after the sermon and this guy said, this is, the, this is the G-rated version of what really would have happened. Because tough fishermen in a boat and they're going down are not just saying nice words and they're not just saying you don't love us. I reckon they would have been, you think, I don't know if you know any salty dudes, but you know what they're like. All right. they, this would have been right at him. They would have been going at Jesus. So now Jesus' question in verse 40 is really interesting because he asks them a question. He doesn't apologise. He says this. He says, why are you so afraid? See, what he's saying by that is he's saying, your premise is wrong. You should know better. I do allow people I love to go through storms. And you had no reason to panic. See, the premise is wrong. He can still love them. God can still love us and let storms in our life. Because he's God. And he knows better than us. Now, before I offend you completely and you just want a bit of inspiration um, to try harder. Ugh, I hate that. Um, I'll... I want to say this, if you have, if we have a God who is great enough and powerful enough to be mad at because he doesn't stop suffering, it logically follows that we have a God who's great enough and powerful enough to have reasons that you have no idea about why you're suffering. But he knows. You see, you can't have it both ways. If he's powerful enough to stop suffering, he's powerful enough to know and to have reasons that you and I have no idea about. 
when it comes to suffering. And if there is no God, suffering has got no place, so we kill babies and we murder off oldies. Because it's the strong killing the weak. That's what we do. That's what our hearts are like. That's what we're like. Nick, his name's Nick the Kick or something like that. Some of you know him. He's the guy that was born without arms and legs. And he writes this. He's now an adult. Uh, I'm truly blessed. I'm ridiculously happy. Many times as a child, I prayed for arms and legs. I would have taken just one. <laughs> but God didn't answer my prayers in the way that I thought he would and I hoped he would. He said, there were days when I wanted to kill myself. I have tried several times. He did not answer my prayers. He goes on and he writes this. God used me to reach people in countless schools, in churches, in prisons, in orphanages, in hospitals, in stadiums and in meeting halls. Even better, I've hugged thousands of people face to face, encounters that allow me to tell them how very precious they are, God took my unusual body and invested in me the ability to uplift hearts and to encourage spirits and to change hearts of stone into hearts of flesh for the Lord Jesus. There's a storm. There's a storm of a life. Nick is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's the same honour that's bestowed upon you and me. God is all-powerful. He's all-powerful enough to stop suffering, but he's also all-powerful enough to let it go. Maybe this will help. Do you see in verse 41? The disciples now are more terrified than before the storm. We're terrified. They were absolutely terrified. Why are they terrified? They're more terrified now than before. Because Jesus is more unmanageable than the storm, which was completely chaotic. He's more powerful than the most powerful, scary thing they can think of. The disciples have less control over him now than they did beforehand. They've got no control over him, actually. Who is this man? Who are you? I fear you. They had no control over the storm and now no control over Jesus. They never had it. But there's a big difference, friends. This is crucial. The storm doesn't love you. Nature will wear us down and eventually will get us, all of us. We're all ending up in the box. Nature wins. But nature doesn't love you. See, Jesus is not under the control of nature. Actually, 
he bursts through the tomb and he tramples on it and makes a mockery out of it. And he says, now you follow me as I crush it. And whatever storm comes in, it doesn't matter because eternity has been placed in your heart and I have paved the way. I am with you. I am carrying you. I am walking with you. I cannot lose. I control the storm. I control your life. I've got all of it. See, if Jesus is God, he's got to be great enough to have some reasons to let us go through things we can't understand. And nature is indifferent to us but Jesus is radically, radically for us, jealous for us. He's untamable. His love for us is untamable. Susan, in the story, in the uh, Narnia series, asks the beaver about Aslan, who's the Jesus figure, is he safe? Goodness sake, of course he's not safe. Who said anything about him being safe? But he's good. He's the king. Jesus is not safe. We can't control him with our clever questions or our philosophy or our, even our theology or even our church. He's radically for us. But he's good. And because he's good, we can trust him in every storm that comes in. He doesn't just give good, he is good, remember? Trust him with everything. My kid's going to be born without any arms and any legs. You're going to feel it. Do you know what I mean? It's going to, be, it's going to crush you. It's going to be, the weight of it is going, going to be awful. But Jesus is the king of it. And you might not even know even in this world why it happened, but you will stand in front of him and it'll be perfect and it'll be right and you will go, praise the Lord, look what happened because of this. Because he's turning everything into good, everything he restores, everything he makes for his purpose. So just let me finish here with the second question in verse 41. Do you still have no faith? Commentators say... This could be just translated simply as, where's your faith? And it's like Jesus is saying, the critical factor in your faith is not its strength, but it's the object of the faith. When you, when you fall off a cliff, if you do, that's bad. hope it doesn't happen. But if you did, you want to grab onto the... And there's a branch sticking out, you... You grab onto it, don't you? How much faith do you have to have that that branch is going to hold you? Not a lot, do you? That branch is going to hold you. See, our faith isn't about how much faith we've got. It's not a virtue. When people say faith's a virtue, it's a load of garbage. It's a gift. And I actually don't think I have much. Actually, I think I'm, it could be argued that mine's the worst. I think about this stuff a lot, all the time, every day. But my faith's not in my faith, for goodness sake. It's in Jesus, who's an objective truth, who has come for us on a rescue mission. It's not about building ourselves up to him. No, it's him coming down into the dirt for us. 
That's what it is. Upside down. Different worldview to every, every other worldview out there. Every other worldview. It's like um, someone explained it to me like this. Two, two ice skaters going out onto a, a lake that's frozen over would never happen in Australia, let's say in Canada. I love the Canadian. Is Miles here? No, anyway, Canada's all right. Anyway, we go out on there and, and um, they don't know that one of the skaters thinks that the ice might only be like that thick and they could fall through and die. The other one believes that it's that thick and they're going to be right. And it, all, and it is that, actually, it's, it's that thick. There's no chance that they're going to fall in. And the first skater who thinks it's really, really thin, they go out and they're just sort of like this, you know. And the second one goes out and jumps and pirouettes or whatever you do when you skate. And it's, it's fantastic. Both of them are on the skate rink. Both of them are in the game. The truth is that it's actually the ice is thick. It's an objective fact. It can't be changed. It's not how much faith we have that makes us good Christians. It just becomes a work. It just becomes a pride. Look how faithful I am. <laughs> Better than you. I'm ordained, actually. I've done five years of training. <laughs> Just vomit, isn't it? Who gives a who gives a rip? You're sitting there and you're worried about your mortgage. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you know what I mean. Like Jesus is the answer to all of it, is what I'm saying. The objective truth that He came on a rescue mission. He's done the work. His blood is sufficient. His sacrifice is everything. His atonement has done all the work. His resurrection is set in stone. The end of the world has got a time and it's ticking towards it, and He's coming back for His people. It's all done. We can live in that sure hope of the resurrection. See, if you're struggling with your faith, my advice is to stop going inside and to go outside. Every other worldview will say, this is how you improve yourself. This is your mantra. This is your whatever. No. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner where it starts stop trying to work it out fully with reasoning being good coming to a sermon to get fired up go outside go to Jesus if your faith is weak as mine is remember that it's the source of your faith that's the strength friends Faith's not a virtue. It's a gift. My faith is weak, pathetic like the disciples. How can you be asleep, God? Don't you know how important I am? I might die. Yeah, I might die. Doesn't matter either. That's been defeated as well. See, he came down to us, to me, and he died and he rose again and he sent his spirit. He's come to us. It's a gift. We have an un, untamable saviour who's powerful and he's powerfully good. 
He's powerful and he's powerful and loving. He is your powerful saviour. Amen.